heard about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. It's football season. It's training camp season. I'm back. This is a brand new era on the podcast. This is episode number 171. New logos. It's a new era. It's time for YWC Football Talk. So let's get started. I am back here with my main man, McGarvin, at Patriots POV. It's camp season. How are we feeling? Glad to be here. Um, glad it's camp season. I'm, I'm, I'm so over all of the, you know, the empty speculation, because that's really what you get from mid-camp to the start of training camp, where everyone has a take on the players, the teams, and who's going to be good, who's not, la, la, la. And it's like, well, there's been no football, you know, even practiced in, you know, two, two months, yet everyone has a new take from last time. And I'm like, well, how do you have a new take with no new information? So it's finally like, all right, cool. We're back. We're in training camp, and we don't have to just, like go based on absolutely nothing because that's really what it's been over the last uh, month and a half. That, that's that's what it's been. But look, I always say this on the podcast that when news breaks after you finish recording, it sucks. But today's a rare day. Yeah, yeah, we got today's gotta... a good day because someone <laughs> got paid. Chow, I had to do it. I had to do it. I had to do the pun because. Patriots defensive tackle has signed a two-year $20.8 million extension, including $17.85 million fully guaranteed. But you yep. made the interesting point, because it was actually your tweet that I pulled it from, that for Doug Kayed, that 10.5 of it is salary bonus, which the original cap it was supposed to be $10.25 million. So yeah. how are we feeling about this? I've seen some like overpaid reactions, but I feel like – but actually, I just want to say one quick thing. I feel like a lot of people have to pump the brakes before they learn how the money is truly divvied up. Yeah. I feel like they see, yep. you know, 17 million and then right away they're like, okay, that's a bit of a stretch. But when you see how much of it's signing and performance bonus, you can yeah. kind of like ease off the brakes. It's like last year, remember the Cam Newton's thing? And then you discovered yep. it was like 4 million. And, 4 yeah. Million, and it looked, it looked nine ridiculous. Was like, yeah. Incentives and all that. To kind yes. of pump the numbers. Yeah. I, I think um, right off rip, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't have a huge takeaway on this. I thought Godchild was fine last year. Um, there's some people who, for whatever reason, seem to think he was bad. I don't think he was bad. I think he was just average. Um, mm-hmm. On an, He was an average player on an average D-line, and that's Solid fine. Contributor. Right. I think, though, when people are like, oh, he, you know, this was an overpay. I, but what I honestly think is that last year, when they signed him in the first place, that was the overpay, right? Because he, you know, he signed the, was it two for 15 or something to that effect? But his cap hit for the second year was $10 million. So that's, yeah. that's simply not going not gonna to do, especially for the player that he was in Miami. And then he came over and you're like, all right, that's, that was a little rich. So I think the overpay was actually on the front end, not this end. I think this move was more just create cap space and give him another year. I know it's a two-year extension. My gut tells me it's actually going to be a one-year extension. And then we'll see. I think the, the signing bonus is 10.5. The total guarantees full signing per the, you know, per the checkers and, and Ian Rappaport's the total guarantee is like 17, 17, eight or something to that effect. So when you look five. at, yeah. So when you look at something like that, what, what I really think is, well, if 10 is signing bonus, that means over the next three years, he has $7.85 million guaranteed in terms of salary. That's not a ton of money, right? You could have a situation where for all we know, next year is fully guaranteed and there is no guaranteed money into year three. 
at which point, how are we talking overpay when it's essentially a one-year extension? You know what I mean? I think it's one of those things where not enough people, like you mentioned, not enough people understand how cap numbers work and how the cap works within relation to contracts. They see this huge number and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what we're, you know, $20 million, I can't believe it. And really you're going to look, it's going to be closer to something like, you know, like 15 million, you know? And so that's, it's, I think it's, it's always fun when news drops about a new contract and so everyone sees the big numbers and we ooh and we ah, but then like three days later, you know, Field Yates tweet out the entire contract and it won't be anything crazy, but that doesn't get the reaction. So that's not the numbers that go up. I think what's really interesting is though, is when you watch, when you read between the lines on, or, or basically, or really read the tweets that get sent out by the insiders when they break the news. Right? You, you read Ian Rappaport or you read Adam Schefter and it is very clearly, uh, you know, a, a tweet generated by the agent, right? They're like, yeah, you know, they included, you know, he, he got the- Rosenhaus. The, yeah, yeah, Drew Rosenhaus. They tagged him down at the bottom. That's who negotiated it. They it specifically included 1785, uh, fully guaranteed at signing, just to kind of like pump it up, like look at this great deal that we got. And it's, and it's very clearly, and these guys have the same, you know, essentially the same tweet. And it's like, well, this is very clearly coming from the agent. And I know Shefty's been um, really bad about that in, you know, recent years where he'll get a text from an agent, he'll just tweet that out directly. And it's like, yeah, he didn't even edit that. But it was one of those things where it's like, all right, clearly, you know, the the agents want it to be known, like, here's what we got, because it's good for business. But I mean, I think fans just take take the bait every time. And I don't really understand. It's like, oh my gosh, it's, yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Wait, wait for the numbers. Exactly. And that's why this time the numbers came out and it's from former Patriots supporter now, Pro Football Focus national reporter Doug Kyan, who basically said, and you pointed out as well on Twitter, that's how I found out about it, that 10.5 of it is signing bonus. So that's why I was yep. saying earlier the whole, yep. you know, pump the brakes on numbers. I feel like fans, they always go for that overreaction. Like people see, wait, why? Like, why did they give them 17 guaranteed? They learn, yeah. oh, look, X amount is a signing bonus. X amount yep. is you have to get this X amount of sacks or yards or touchdowns. Yep. I'm just yep. saying all numbers because that's where all performance bonus comes from, I believe. And also, too, like I said earlier, with the Cam Newton one. Sort of it was based on playoff performance, but obviously, yeah. look, that never came to be. Max is starter, Max QB1. We'll get into him later. But with these contracts, it's always one of those things where people see the number and they freak out. Meanwhile, they have to wait. Yeah. But then the only time with numbers we'll actually get into it, that's one thing I was saying to you off air that news is because I, I want to talk about this one is the Kyler Murray deal and everything that all Woo, that little crazy, yeah. all that craziness. Yeah. But that's just that's the moral of the story that with NFL contracts, don't freak out, wait for the numbers. And for Patriots fans freaking out, just remember this. They have a lot of cap next year, too. Patriots have yep. I don't know if it's the same amount as 2021, but I know next year they're like one of the tops of the league for cap. Yeah, they'll I think they're they're all right money-wise. Um it's yep. not something I think one, I don't think people should worry anyway, just because the Patriots have always been really good about managing their cap. I don't think all of a sudden Bill doesn't know how to manage a cap. Oh my gosh, what are we gonna do? We have no money, blah, blah, blah. it's fine. Yeah, like this year too during free agency when everyone was like freaking out when all these Patriots were leaving and like people were messaging me about the J.C. Jackson stuff and I was just like, look, obviously like they let him and Tooney walk, but at the same time too they know you got to learn when to pick and choose your battles. And sometimes you're going to lose your battles, but sometimes you're going to win your battles. That's just the unfortunate reality of managing the cap even in the in a league that where the cap is as high as the NFL when you look at leagues like baseball doesn't have one, NBA is weird with the luxury tax and stuff like that, and then NHL has a strict hard cap. Um, But might as well get into it with Kyler Murray stuff. Two hundred forty, I believe it's two. It's forty six a year, which is more than Josh Allen. Yep. Which I know a lot of people are saying this, and I actually saw this went down. This got me down the Bills Twitter rabbit hole. Of a lot of them thinking 
being for the deal that Josh Allen took last year to yeah. what Kyler Murray took this year. But I look at it from both ends of the spectrum with his contract. Look, is it an overpay? Yes. But is he worth the money? No. But at the same time, too, if the Cardinals didn't pay him, you were going to let him walk, and then you're back at square one. So yeah. it's that weird, like, you can see the pros – but the cons outshine them, and then that whole four hours of study. Yeah, that game was game that thing. was an error. They should not have been. You don't, uh, you I, don't I, let those things escape the building. No, no. I think that's what you tell them after signing the contract. Don't put it in the contract because you know the contract's going to get out. I, you know, yeah. There are people, it, you know, reporters who do get those contracts. They do see the contracts. It's going to get out there. I'm not sure why you would do that. It kind of like <laughs> embarrass them, but it it kind of is what it is. Um, Kyler Murray is an interesting player because I don't, I personally don't really like him very much. I don't think he's uh, a very good player, um, or he's not a top player. I think he's obviously a good quarterback. I'm not stupid, but he's I don't think he's yeah. But I don't think he's like a transcendent player. So it's like, all right, cool. You know, Kyler Murray, they, they have to pay him, right? And I know it's like it's 46, I think it's 46-3 or 46-1-3 or something to that effect. And everyone's like, I can't believe they're paying him that much. And I'm like, that's kind of the market, the, you know, the market rate. Whenever these quarterbacks get these, um, whenever quarterbacks get these extensions, right, everyone's always like, oh, he's not worth that or he's not he's not that kind of player. Um, and I'm always just kind of like, it doesn't really matter if, if he's that player or not. It's his, it is his turn to get paid. So he's going to get paid, right? When Ermer with the Prescott, prior to his extension, everyone's like, well, he's not a, a 40 million. I'm like, well, yes, he is because he's going to get paid this year and the going rate for quarterbacks is, you know, 40 million. Now you can opt not to pay him. Like, like you mentioned with Kyler Murray, you're like, oh, well, they shouldn't have paid Kyler Murray. And it's like, cool. And who, go to who? You know, Chris Strebler at, you know, at, at back and quarterback. I don't even know who the back and quarterback over in Arizona is, but it's like, who are, who are you turning to? Right? Are you just like, oh, just draft a guy. Well, if it was that easy, then every team in the league would have a quarterback and they don't. So it's kind of time, you know, these guys are going to get paid and they're going to get paid market rate because that's, that's, you know, you're worth whatever the market's going to pay you. So Exactly. That's, that's the biggest thing with it. It's you're worth what the market says. And even to your point, it's like, okay, if Arizona were to get rid of them, like it's really Steve Kahn and Michael Bidwell were pushed into a corner. There's one of those things where it's just like, look, you have to sign them. You don't have any other choices. It has to get done. Like the same thing you say with him too. What's your next option? It's like saying the old people, "Oh, Minnesota should get rid of Kirk Cousins." You can start Sean Mannion all year, right? No, exactly. Exactly. That's 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 perfectly said. That is absolutely perfectly said. Same thing um, with Baltimore, where they're like, "Oh, you know, they should get Lamar. He's not a good quarterback. A lot, a lot. He's not a one. Blah blah blah." All that is great until Tyler Huntley's playing games for you. All of a sudden, you're like, "Well, maybe we should have kept that Lamar guy, right?" So it's like, if you have no other option, you kind of have to pay or suck it up. No team is going to hamstring their franchise like that where they're like, well, we're just going to throw them away with no succession plan. It doesn't work. So, like, you have a guy, even even if he's a middling guy, you, you kind of either figure that out before it's time to pay him or if you wait to the point where we're at with Kyler Murray, then, sorry, kind of you kind of have no choice. So Exactly. And my other thing with Lamar Jackson, too, is, is his whole no agent thing, I think, is what's the biggest kill for him not getting a contract yeah, so far. Because, yeah. look, we know Eric Burkhart, Kyler's agent, was very vocal online. He also represents Cliff Kingsbury. But with Lamar, he doesn't have that guy, you know, in executives' ears being like, yep. hey, my guy, this is why you should sign my guy. This is why my guy earns 200 plus million dollars. This is why my guy, look, face of the league, this is why I should get paid. He doesn't have that representation, which I think right. is still holding him back. But right. for everyone being like, oh, why isn't he signed? It's going to be a team thing. Lamar's going to sign. 
Well, we all right. know that Lamar, he's going to be a Baltimore Raven for life. He's going to hell that I have that. I have really high, high hopes for that team this year, which it sucks because it's the Patriots home opener opponent, but right. at the same time right. too, look, we know a healthy Baltimore team's going to the playoffs this year. Last year they weren't healthy and they just missed by that much. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, look, with the Kyler stuff, like we said, look, the studies, the study film thing, it was unfortunate that I got out, but at the same time too, you got to roll with the punches of it. You just got to own up to it. But it's like we yeah. said, what's your next option? And when you don't have it, fine. Yep. Like even I'm going to put a Patriots twist on this for everyone that was laughing when we drafted Bailey Zappi this year. And everyone was just like, Oh my God. Like people started the whole, like, you know, is there a quarterback thing there? But in yeah. reality, we learned, look, we knew Jared Stidham wasn't going to work out here. So that's why it's like, Hey, bring in Bailey Zappi. Who's not there. I even remember getting chirped after the whole Brian Hoyer stuff, but then at least now I'm not saying it's the same boat, which with Mac we'll yeah. cross that boat later. Um, but with bringing in Hoyer and having Zappy there, it's almost like insur- it's like insurance policies, but at the same time too, sure. the insurance policies in Arizona and Minnesota, when you have teams that are trying to get to that next level that have been those like mediocre teams for a while. Yeah. You got to have someone that's leading that room that you can yeah, that sure. management in order to sure. trust. For sure. Yeah, I think teams need to be more proactive. If you know if they're concerned if their guy isn't the guy, cool, then draft a guy, right? I that's that's one of the reasons I don't I don't hate, you know, what the Packers did with taking, you know, for love where sure Aaron Rodgers was still playing at a very high level, but at that point we and and to this point we've seen that he kind of flirts with retirement, kind of like Big Ben did for you know a little while there, kind of flirts with retirement, he kind of Acts too cool for school that like he's really not interested, in, you know, whether, whether or not he, he'll play football or not. So it's like, all right, cool. If we don't draft someone, we're going to end up with, you know, who was uh, the backup at the time? The uh, the kid from UCLA, was it Brett Hundley? But what, what, yeah. They had a, yeah. So Brett Hundley up there, and it's like, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to have to do a little better than this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I understand going and taking a quarterback, especially, and I, I think we have a, pers- uh, a unique perspective on this because the Patriots draft a quarterback legitimately every two years. So, it's not weird, especially if you have a quarterback, which is why I thought the the reaction to the Zappy uh, draft was was really weird because people were like, "Oh, this is going to be a QB controversy," and I'm like, "Patriots do this literally all the time." They had, you know, they had Tom, they took Jimmy, they had Tom and Jimmy, and then took Jacoby. Like it, you know, it they do it literally all the time. It just better. No team has ever lost from having too many good quarterbacks, right? And if you have two good quarterbacks, you trade one. <laughs> now you just flip an asset. Nothing wrong with it. And fun fact, too, the now head coach of the Minnesota Vikings and the current head coach of the Arizona Cardinals were both Patriot yep. quarterback draft picks yep. during the Tom Brady era. During, yeah, ex- during the Tom Brady, like, winning, actively winning Super Bowls era. So, like, relax. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's all, it's all the fun and hot takes of football season. But now is the best part we get to watch. Now is the part why we're here. Actual football. Patriots camp. Actual football. Oh, yeah. Actual conversations. I don't know when you're going to be getting down to Gillette Stadium or the field house to watch the practice, but from day one, what were some takeaways you saw? What were some players that kind of stood out to you? And how do you feel going into training camp? All right, so I'll, I'll start with the last one first. Um, I'm excited about the training camp. I think I, I think that um, their 2020 prep class has the potential to be like amazing. We're talking that's the you know Kyle Duggar was in that class and um, they had Uche was in that class. You had obviously both tight ends. I still, 
I still believe, yeah, Orton was in that class as well. I still believe in Adonofsky, obviously, because I'm a fool. Um, and then the 2021 class, I think, also has a lot of potential. We just didn't see it because, you know, a lot of the players didn't get to play. I think yeah. this year, I'm super excited to see a lot of those players who I think could be contributors, right? On, on top of the, you know, the rookies they have coming in, but it's almost like you have a second rookie class because a lot of those guys didn't play, right? There's some guys like Josh Bledsoe didn't play at all. I'm super excited to see because yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. He could be a safety. He can play. He plays in the slot. He can play a little corner as well. Cool. That is a, a player that we didn't get to see last year that we now get to see. So it's like I'm excited because there are a bunch of new faces. I know a lot of people are like, oh, this team is really young or it's not that talented or whatever. I think that's part of the excitement, though. It's like, well, that's what camp's for, right? We're going to go and we're going to see a bunch of new players that we haven't seen before and for better or worse, the future is going to put them out there and, you know, sink or swim with those guys. So I'm really excited about that. I think the reports from, you know, the first day of camp uh, were, depending on who you got them from, were, were what, kind of what you expected. There's always some reporters who put a twist on it. Um, I don't want to necessarily say a negative twist, but, like, they, they see things that no one else mentioned, and you're like, why why did you mention that? Like you, saw, you saw, you know, Mike Giardi, he, you know, posted about Tyquan Thornton, Ty, Tyquan Thornton and no one else mentioned it, but they're like, oh yeah, he got locked up by Malcolm Butler, you know, at the line of scrimmage. And he also got locked up by, I think it was um, Dan Jones also like stuffed him at the line or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, he can't get off press. And that's the whole thing. And I'm like, right, no one else is mentioning that. So like, on the one hand, that's quote unquote negative, but it's good to see that because you're like, if, you know, you're there in person, you can see it and you'll remember it. But if no one else is reporting it, then it will be a surprise come October if he can't get off press. And we're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. No one even, you know, this wasn't even a possibility. But um, obviously, I, Tyquan Thornton was a player I wanted to see. I wanted to see um, Devontae Parker, like, actually yep. do something. Uh, and that was obviously exciting. And I think he had, like, three touchdowns, good connection with Matt. And he was just kind of bodying dudes up in the, um, in the red zone. And I know that sounds like nothing, but for a team that, simply hasn't had that outside of tight ends in a hell of a long time. It is, it is exciting. It's like, all right, cool, a guy who can get up and actually go get it. Because Nikhil Harry was supposed to be that guy, and he just, for whatever reason, wasn't that physical when he wasn't blocking. So it was like, all right, cool. So to see Dante Parker be able to body up and be that, you know, jump ball guy that the Patriots have you know, ostensibly wanted for a while now, you know, stuff like that's really interesting. I think, though, with camp on the whole, I'm excited to see always usage right because the reporters can't report on it per the you know patriots media policy but who's lining up where i think that matters a little more than like the plays because the plays are for for the most part like scripted in terms of all right we're going to run this play against this defense so we can see how it looks right the results aren't scripted but the play is so it's like, all right cool you put you know say you put nelson Aguilar in the slot and you put him up against you know someone like joan williams obviously you're looking to see a mismatch there, right? Because Nelson Aguilar can fly and Joan Williams can barely run. So it's like, all right, cool. That's scripted, right? So the results there are going to be like, oh my gosh, like Nelson Aguilar roasted Joan Williams. And it's like, yeah, because they put him in a position to do that because they wanted to get a good look at it. I think what's more important is the fact that Nelson Aguilar is in the slot. He didn't play in the slot last year. So it's like, oh, he's lining up in the slot. That means something a little more than the fact that he beat Joan Williams in the slot because I don't think that necessarily matters, especially in these early practices because they're unpadded, right? So I want to see who's lining up there and who's playing special teams. Those are the two things I always look for in, um, in, in when I'm at camp because those are the things that matter. Those are always, whenever we end the season with a, whenever we end the training camp period with you know, a surprise, a surprise addition to the roster, it's always one of those players that you're like, it's only a surprise if you didn't pay attention. Like, 
it's like, oh, this guy made the roster. I can't believe it. And it's like, yeah, he also played on four core special teams units and he was second team. So like, mm, kind of added a little bit. Like, All right, cool. They found a role for him. So things like that are things that I'm always looking for um, whenever I'm down at Gillette. Yeah, no, those, those, you're right. Because even with the stuff like where it's like, okay, cool, Nelson Aguilar looks good in this coverage, but they want to see if he looks good in the coverage. That's why they're going to put someone who's a little bit weaker on him. I yeah, completely exactly agree right. with that. Yeah, yeah. You do those mismatches on purpose so everyone, because but some people can take it and look at the, make a positive into a negative. But then that's why, like, I, like, for example, the one video I watched today was Mike Reese, because he pays more attention to the whole, hey, here's what's, what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put this for a better term. Who doesn't love Mike Reese? That that's not your point. <laughs> that is a great point. Yeah. Even even up here, I I even there's times where I get to watch Patriots game day on WBZ up here, and I'm all the way up in Canada. So yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. But with the with the whole stuff with like training camp, it's just like that. Even Mom's gonna go on with Mike's quickly because he was mentioning how the, there was the fanfare for Mac, how Matt Patricia seemed to be the one calling the offensive plays. But then even when Mac gets asked about that, he turns it into. Oh, hey, uh, it's more. We're going to use our defensive experience to learn the offense. So you can pickpocket the defense. So yeah. it's just it's little things like that. But even still, the whole look we we know they can't disclose the stuff per the media's for the media policy. Shout out Stacey yeah. James. But um, I, I had to get the plug in there. Hopefully, yeah, always. <laughs> give, me, give me give me media passes this year when I'm down there, Stacey. Um, <laughs> but. Um, but no, you just you want to see the good with training camp. You're not trying to put players out there to look bad. You want to put your players right. out there to look good. And even the same thing too. That's why they put like Thornton on Butler because you want to see Butler shine in camp. You want to make Butler look good because if Butler looks bad going into the season, it's going to be oh why they bring him back? Yada yada yep. yada. It was right. like just flash in the pan because obviously, look, that play will go down. That's the thing though. Malcolm Butler could have whatever year this year. That play that he made in 2015 is going to go down in Patriots history, no matter what he 100%. 100%. He ends up one of my favorite players, even when he went you know, to the you know, Tennessee and you know did whatever it was he did in Tennessee and the weirdness of you know, benching in uh, uh, Super Bowl 50, what, 52. It's yep. like, cool. I still love <laughs> You know, he picked up that ball and changed my life. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, stuff like that. It's like, of course, you 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 want the players to look good. You you know the players are you know going to do what what it is they do. But I think everyone needs to kind of like slow down on the production part of it. I think it's always really interesting when people are taking stats because it's training camp. Like the stats legitimately don't matter. Um, or even a little bit. And it's especially weird. It's things like we don't know certain things were with like passes. I remember last year um, with Cam and Mac, and we were tracking like all right, you know. Mac threw this interception or whatever, and and Cam threw this interception. I remember the interception against the Eagles when they were down in Philly and they did the um did they they did the joint practice sessions, huh? Yeah, yeah during the game. Yeah, but in the practice, it was it wasn't it wasn't as one sided. But um, I remember that it was near you know nearing the end of practice and Cam threw a, a pretty hideous interception, and that's all everyone was talking about. Oh, it's such a bad interception. And then they asked him about it, and I was like, yeah, it was two minutes. It was, you know, it was third and 19. We only had six seconds left. I just threw it up to give someone a shot. So, like, on paper, it's like, oh, my gosh, Cam Newton threw an interception. He's losing the battle. And in reality, it's like, well, the situation, which we didn't know about and we couldn't have known about from the stands, dictated, like, hey, we kind of just got to throw this ball up. Sure, it might get intercepted, but that is literally what we're practicing to see if we can, you know, with the clock, you know, winding down with no timeouts, Let's see if we can make a play. Things like that don't get accounted for in those stats. So I think training camp stats are just 
are just weird. But at the same time, I read them. <laughs> I certainly read them. I, you know, practice is over and I'm over at, at I'm nesting. All right, what Zach Cox see? All right, cool. What Andrew Callahan see? Evan Lazar, what did you see? And it's like Phil Perry, what did you see? It? Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. You know. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I know I kind of like, I don't, and then whatever, but like at the same time too, yeah, you're right. Where a simple play in August that looks bad can be something that in November you use kind of like how, and this is going to pain me to say, but for some reason my mind went to this, how the Philly special play was just something that they drew up in training camp. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I'm coming to it, where it's just like, Hey, something you're doing for fun now can come back to fight you later. Even how this week Danny Amendola retired, and I bring up this game because two reasons: one, I love this game; two, I probably my heart stopped multiple times. But there was the infamous Edelman Edelman Amendola pass the twenty fifteen division game pass. against Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those that, little things that, like that. Then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think like even to your point Can of like touchdown oh, against the Jets in twenty twenty. Loved that. Oh my goodness. I, I was screaming because I was, you know, I'm, I, I still am a Cam Newton fan, even though it didn't really work out for him here. That game was just the tits. I was like, this is this is amazing. But um, I think what's really interesting is I remember I went to camp um, in 20, uh, 2019, Jacoby, uh, Jacoby Myers' rookie year. And I remember I was watching and they practiced a few of those trick plays they had the, um, the end around the James White pass, then like the one they ran against Green Bay and all that. And I remember I'm like, Oh my gosh, I saw them this play, you know what I mean? But it was one of those plays that, like, it was at the end of practice, everyone was kind of goofing off, and that was just the play that was run. And then to see it, you know, four months later in a game, and you're like, yeah, these things kind of matter. Like, wh- like what what they're repping does does come into play, even if it doesn't feel like a huge deal. But the whole, the keeping track of the stats of it all is, is where I'm like, well, that's silly. What's actually happening should matter, but, you know. I think we all get caught too, up in the numbers of it all. Yeah, but that's the thing I was going to say too. Is with uh, I'm going to say two things. One, the Week 17 game against the Jets in 2020, I love it and I hate it because I hate it for the fact of like I'm like, where was this fun all year? Because that was like yeah. the first time ever I had seen them. They were just having fun, like the Asiasi yep. touchdown. Gosh, yes, <laughs> I love. I, I was I was screaming for that because like I, like I mentioned uh, a little bit ago, I I still like Devin Asiasi. I still believe in Devin Asiasi. So when he caught that, I was like, this is it. This is the breakout. He is going to be the goat. Just watch. Um, and obviously that didn't come to fruition. But that game had everything. I remember. I think I tweeted out. I was like. All this game is missing is a Nikhil Harry downfield throw, and I'll be all right. <laughs> like, oh yeah, the game is the game. It's like one of those games where I feel like nothing was on the line. I didn't care what happened, so I just enjoyed yeah. it. I knew I'm yeah. like, this is the last time I'm going to see Patriots football for eight months, so I'm just going to. It was, eight, it nine was really stress me. I was like, yeah. yeah, I'll take it. There's something about when the Patriots either have their bye week or they don't play on Sunday when I can just flip on Red Zone all day long and just watch football and yeah. The only money I care about is the, the only thing I care about is the money I lose gambling, and my fantasy team, <laughs> teams plural. Um, but that's the big thing with training camp, where it's just like don't overreact. What because what you see now, teams when we play, say the Colts, we play, I think we play we play in November. They're not going to go back and study training camp footage. No, they're going to study yep. who we're playing the week before. That's right. what they're going to look at. Right. The right. only. The only potential for training camp is that week one matchup with Miami, which we'll, we'll still see how that goes. I'm still anticipating there being like a clutch third down where Tua underthrows Tyree Kill and 
Tyreek Hill throws a bitch fit. That's the one thing I'm looking for <laughs> with that game. Where it's like 27-24 and he underthrows him on, on like third and 15. Where it, if he gets the ball, it's a home run touchdown, but he misses him. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. That, would be, that would be pretty fun. That would be pretty fun. That would be fun. Um, the next thing I want to move on to quickly is just like I want to give you um, my players to watch and I want to see what you think about them. Okay. And I, you and I are in a similar boat where one player, two, there's two players on the defense I'm looking forward to this year. One's Ronnie Perkins, one's Cam McGrone. Because look, look, Ooh, okay, both are good. Yeah. yeah, both are good picks. Good picks. Yeah, both are good picks. Um, Perkins just because we saw little flashes last year, but I feel like he can help fill the Van Noy loss. And then yeah. McGrone, I feel like can kind of. I'm not saying he's going to be Dante Hightower because that Mike linebacker is going to be really hard to replace. But at the same time, too, I feel like McGrone, there's a lot of that potential where it's another Michigan guy. Um, also, do the Chase Winovich production because I feel like Chase Winovich is one of those, like, he needed to change the scenery. That's another thing, too. Mac, oh, here's another linebacker I'm interested in. It's like the linebackers, Mac Wilson, like player that's yeah. gone about. There's, like, all these players, um, like we were saying earlier, like we have Trey Nixon, Taekwon Thornton. Um, but even with the running backs, there's the one up here strong as well. Pierre there's strong. just so many yeah. players. Yeah, excited um, about Pierre Strong. But my question for you is, with the offensive line, do we think that with the – I'm not saying we have to watch many of these players, but do we think that these are big years for, like, Trent Brown or Isaiah Wynn, or do you think these are guys that are going to be here long-term or are these kind of those probably swan song years with the Patriots? Um, I think Trent Brown's obviously going to be uh, – he's obviously going to be here. He signed a, the two-year extension. Oh, right, right. Uh, I think he'll, Thanks, he'll, he'll, he'll be fine. Um, when I'm really interested on because I I think he is a player that when you watch him play when he's healthy he you see why he was a first round pick like he, like wow this guy's a really good player he's not around a ton and he also has a ton of penalties so that hurts but I think he is a good player like through and through I think though his time's probably up uh, after this year only because I know Patriots fans don't really love him and I'm certain that the rest of the league does. So I'm like, I think it's going to be one of those things where like he's just going to get priced out of New England, and that's just going to be what it is. I think really for looking at O line though, Nani Kajus to Justin Haran, they, I mean, one of them has to has to show something because at yeah. this point, you know, the Patriots fought ahead and, and drafted some you know some some young tackles, and for whatever reason they just haven't panned out. Justin Haran looks better than Yami Kajus, but I mean that's not really saying much because both look really overmatched. They obviously they, they drafted Andrew Stuber out of Michigan and. You know, Chasing Hines is an inside guy, and William Sherman can play tackle, but he's also an inside guy. To get, inside another guy 21 to draft pick. Another 21 draft pick, yeah. Um, so it's it's really interesting because, like, someone has to step up we, because the Patriots need a, a swing tackle, right? They need someone who can fill in on either side in case of injury because Isaiah Wynn isn't the most durable and low-key neither is Trent Brown, especially because he missed, you know, all that time last year. You know, he had the one healthy year in 20, uh, 20 I believe it was that, 2018. You know, he yep. had one healthy year and he looked he was dominant, but he's not he's not someone who you're like, all right, he's you know, let's try to win for 16, 17 games. He's gonna miss some time. So at that point, who is the the tackle who's going to step up and play? Is it Haran? Is it Kajuice? Is it one of the rookies? Don't know. Right now it doesn't really feel like any of them because none of them have done anything. Um, especially when you look at someone like Justin Haran, who I mean, if we're being real, he has put together some of the absolute worst tape of any, you know, of any Patriot on the current roster. So I, I, I think we just need to see if he can you know, clean it up in year three. I'm not optimistic about it, but I'd like to see that. Another 
Cole just because obviously there's all the talk about him with the first round pick and stuff like that. So we'll see what goes down there. But he's I'm yeah. like I'm gonna root for the guy. I'm not gonna not root for a guy just because people say oh the pick was wrong at the wrong time. But hey, if you believe that he's the best guy there and he's not gonna get picked for when you're gonna pick next, yeah, hey, roll the dice and go for it. Absolutely. Um, one. This there's a segment I want to get into later, but this is a bit of a spicy. Uh, not, I don't know if it's spicy. It's let's let's call it lukewarm. I think this is a year where Johnny really breaks out. I know that he's had good years in Tennessee, and last year was kind of a down year. But yeah. I think that the fact that the Patriots aren't running producing a fullback this year, I think that there's going to be a lot more two tight end sets. I'm not saying it's going to be the Gronk Hernandez connection because I don't think that will ever be replicated in New England again. That right. the Boston Tea right. Party was something very special. <laughs> I'm thinking more of like what Martellus Bennett was in New England for he was so very, very very good um he was like actually absurd like when you go back and watch anything from yeah. that 2016 season it was like holy cow like Martellus Bennett was very very good um and what he did it, it was it was it wasn't the it same was called the game when he yeah in the Super Bowl exactly right um he, he reminds me of Scott Chandler actually good um because him and Bob were similar players and it was just like Oh, now yep. you just have to. Whereas Gronk and Hernandez were not similar players, so it was like, all right, pick your poison how to defend them. I if that's a spicy take with Johnny Smith, and I'm right there with you, like pepper me up because I yep. think we saw a lot of what they wanted to do with him with uh, Johnny last year. And if you remember, he had like five big plays, like touchdowns, you know, or big big catches called back by penalties. It's like it's not like the talent wasn't there, right? They they were kind of using him like Cordero Patterson in a way, where it was just like you know, swing screens, bubbles, you know, jet sweeps, you know, out of the backfield, and you're like, okay, cool. He's not, he just doesn't have the role. He, he does need to play more. Although I did have, you know, I did, I did, um, one of the guys I, I follow on here, uh, Taylor Kyle's really, really good analyst for next gen, uh, next gen stats. He had mentioned like, well, yeah, that's all true. But at the same time, if he was a better player, like if he was playing better, they would have put him on the field more, which I do agree with. But I think going into this year with no pullback, with no, with a change in the offense, I do agree that we're going to see a lot more Johnu. I think really what we do need um, to see a little more of is more tight ends flexed out at wide receiver, right? Or at yes. a wide receiver position. Um, I think it's great having two tight ends and, you know, you line them about, you know, next to each other, you line them up on, you know, bookending both ends of the line. But let's get saucy with it. Put one, you know, put one at one in the slot. Put one at wide receiver, and you know, line up someone like Devontae Parker, you know, in a nasty split next to the line. Make it look like you know, make it look different, right? Because it's one thing to just line up. You know, we got eighty-five right here, eighty-one right next to him. We're just gonna run the ball, or we're gonna throw play action out of it, and they're gonna run some crosses. It's gonna get real funky. But like, even better than that, make the defense, make the defense declare number one or two. Make them play play this match, right? You don't want your your linebacker out wide, you know, outside the numbers, trying to run with Johnny Smith. Make him do that, no. right? Don't just give us like, oh yeah, here are our two tight ends. We're just gonna put them on the end of the line and we're gonna make it happen. It's like, no, let's get creative with it. I think we do that, especially with with Johnny's movement skills, because I mean that guy can that guy can run. Put him out there, you know, throw, throw a smoke screen to him, let him run with it. Like, do a little more than just like, hey, we're gonna line him up or we're gonna put him in it, you know, at H back and we're gonna try to make it happen. It's like. Get creative. Let's see what happens. I think I think John New Smith is in for a big year. Yeah, that, that was a take that I said back in uh, it was May. It was actually about the middle of May. I kind of was saying that. I kind of got some. I got kind of pushback on it, but you know what? It's my team. But at the same time, too, I just think that look, you're going to see a lot of good. T- I think not even lining up wide receivers. Just do two 
you know, the two tight end sets. And by the way, just for clarification, people, and also for you, McGarvin, when I say, Mark, I'm not comparing what Smith is, what I think Smith can do this year to what Martellus Bennett did. No, that's just, right. you don't do that. And also do I learn, like when people say, Patrick Mahomes is the next Tom Brady. I'm just like, I always think back to, you probably remember this, Coach Carter. Yeah. Remember there was that one where I forget his name, but he's like, how do you feel to be the next LeBron James? He's like, I'm not the next LeBron, I'm this. Ty Crane, that was the guy, that was his character's yeah. name. But it's like, I'm, I'm this. That's why I like where it's just, just hey, He's going to be John Smith. He's not going to be Martellus Bennett. Like, we're not, no one, like, when Hunter Henry signed here, no one said, oh, it's the next Gronk. Because, look, Gronk, best tight end of all time, even though there are 10 year olds out there who think that Travis Kelsey is a better, better all time tight end, which, no, all time, no. I think, um, for, for, for 10 year olds, like, for when they started watching football, it it may very well be that he was the best tight end in the league. I think, Especially in New England, I think with Travis Kelsey, and I know this is a bit of an aside, but I have to get it out. I think because he wore 87, he plays in Kansas City, he plays with Mahomes, and he's kind of a douchebag. There's this perception of Travis Kelsey as like not really that good. It's like, no, he's all of those things and very, very good at football. So like, let's not pretend with that with him. I, I don't think he was ever the best type. I don't think he was ever better than Gronk up until you know Gronk retired and then came back. Where in the last few years he's been better than Gronk. Sure, absolutely. But uh, not all time. I wouldn't say all time. Yeah. And if you're asking this uh, podcaster, no, Gronk is not coming back in 22. I think he, I think nope. this time I he's, think he's done, done. done. Yeah. Yeah. Because last time it was almost like he retired from the Patriots. Like, yeah. Specifically the Patriots, where this time it feels like he retired from football. So it's like, oh, well, that'll do. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly how I feel too. And then with, I didn't make a, I didn't make a banner for this, but we'll talk about it quickly. Uh, with Brady now, and I love how everyone's out here saying jo- Julio Jones. What's Brady and Jones going to look like? People out there saying yeah. that what was it Fred Taylor the other fan saying that Julio Jones is going to have a thousand yard season? No, Julio Jones mm. is going to have like three touchdowns, and then by like week six, he's going to be an afterthought. It's literally. <laughs> I either yeah, I replied to you in a tweet about this. Two, th- I'm going to say two things. One about the tweet, which is he's filler till Chris Godwin comes back. Yep, I would agree. He is filler till Chris Godwin's 100 healthy. The other one is, who would have thought that Julio Jones at one point playing with Tom Brady would be, would be possible, which I could clam for right. for years in New should, England. Should have been. Should have been. Like, like, imagine if Julio was here, like, 2017, 2018, 2019. Yep. yep. 2019. If, if he's here in 2019, the Patriots, I mean, Tom Brady's probably still on the Patriots. Let's be real. But, uh, yeah. yeah. But now it's just weird to think that he's just, like, an afterthought, and then he's kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, he just signed a one-year deal, like, and, and also, too, I've seen this from a Falcons perspective, but I want to ask you, just because, look, we're both outsiders in that whole subject. Do you think this takes a hit to his Falcons legacy or no? Um, No, uh, only because the, you know, I know he requested the trade, but the Falcons traded him. Also, they're not doing anything. I think whenever you have these, like, franchises with, like, you know, great generational kind of players, whenever they leave, everyone's always like, oh, come on, this is going to hurt their legacy. And I'm like, yeah, but at the same time, the organization failed them, right? When Megatron yeah. retired early, when he re- you know, retired at 31, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe he retired so soon. He could have been, I'm like, yeah, but the franchise failed him too, right? Like they Barry didn't Sanders give too. him anything. Yeah, Barry Sanders as well. It's like, they gave him nothing to work with. Of course he left. Andrew Luck with Indianapolis, a little different situation, but it's the same kind of thing where I seen the tweet going around today where, you know, they're like, oh, I can't believe, you know, he left the, he left the Colts high and dry. It's like, well, no, they left him high and dry. He was getting crushed weekly. At that, at some point, I mean, his only weapon for a while there was T.Y. Hilton. It's like, come on, if if, if it's T.Y. Hilton and Dwayne Allen are my only weapons and you're not giving me an offensive line, then of course I'm going to leave early by 
does that hurt his legacy? Maybe, but at the same time, I think it hurts the franchise legacy more more than anything. It's like we had a generational great player, um, and we did absolutely nothing with him. Falcons is the same. It's like we had you know Julio Julio Jones um, and did absolutely nothing. We went to one Super Bowl, we lost that one Super Bowl, and we did absolutely nothing else with him. So it's like, sure, you can you know you can be mad at Julio for signing with a division rival, but at the same time, why? Why did you as a franchise get, let it get to a point where he was better off signing with a division rival? I don't know. Like, they should have won a Super Bowl, but it's not my problem. We they <laughs> lost a Super Bowl. They, they, lo- they lost that Super they Bowl lost themselves. That Super Bowl. That's, that's on them. Um, but I agree with you even that like Andrew Luck was getting crushed. And also, too, shout out Patriots legend Dwayne Allen. Um, <laughs> hey, he's a Patriot at one point. Um, he was. But you're just right though. Like, there's you, you, no one looks at it from the organizational standpoint. It's yep. always the player. It's easier always to be the player. player. Yeah. Atlanta clearly is a crash and burn situation right now. Like, oh, we on. all know that they're they're going to be trying to sell on Marcus Mariota and, and and rookie Drake London. I mean, come on. Like, if that's what you're bringing to the table, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's just not going to be enough. Exactly. It's it's nice to meet these certain teams here, right? But like Atlanta, like. Like, you know, how you said you and I said this earlier where it's like right now there's that sense of hope. But like even now, like I can already go down the list of teams in the NFL and go, OK, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. They're mm-hmm. definitely not mm-hmm. going to make the playoffs. And Atlanta's in that category. I know it's July 27th, but you already have think, to think about that where it's just like they're not going to make it. Atlanta is firmly in contention for the number one overall pick. I think it'll be an upset yeah. if they end up with number two. Like, I mean, it's they're not a good team. Yeah. You can't be nope. mad at players for not wanting to be on bad teams even Matt Ryan to an extent where you know people are people had mentioned it with him when he got traded to the Colts they're like oh this is gonna you know tarnish his Falcons legacy and I'm like it most certainly will not he is the franchise leader in literally everything he's the best quarterback they've had ever so they'll be fine they'll get over it and also the franchise didn't give him anything I mean come on he had a game last year where he's throwing you know Olamide Zacchaeus and and Russell Gage and those were his his top options on top of obviously um Kyle Why am I Kyle Pitts, yes. On, on top of obviously Kyle Pitts, but like if that's all you're giving me to work with and you I don't have any lines, Jake Matthews, for whatever reason, is still out there starting. I mean, at some point we, we do have to just look at the organization, like, well, did you ever think about what you did wrong? Like, maybe it yeah. was you. Maybe it was. Maybe it was all those years of Thomas Dimitrov and stuff like that. And then the, yeah. the founder of Home Depot, Arthur Blank, that's where all his money's going. Is it? I, I literally didn't know that. <laughs> Yeah, that's how, he, that's how he got rich. Uh, he looks like the I, I just call him the Crypt Keeper because he looks like a Crypt Keeper. Um, <laughs> we ready to talk McCorkle? Oh, we're ready, to, ready to talk McCorkle, of course. So, if I, so, like we were saying earlier, how look, Bill Belichick hyping him up, offseason workouts, he's lost weight, he knew he had to lose weight, he's gotten yep. better. My only thing with Mac is. I don't understand how people look at him and go, he's going to regress from what he was last year. Yeah. I think last okay. year. Yeah. Can, can I, I say one more quick thing? Yeah, go for it. I just don't. I just think last year, if anything, I look at last year more as he overachieved than he underachieved. Because look, 2020, Patriots fans didn't know what to expect. 2021, we know it's a rookie quarterback, so we see what happens. But playoff, playoff game aside, which there's a take I have for that down the road. 10 and 7 and 22 and 13 is not a bad rookie year. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think um with Mac, I don't I don't actually think that people 
in their hearts believe that he's going to rest. I think it's the exact opposite, though. Um, something I've, I've thought for a very long time is what's known doesn't have to be said, right? If we know, you know, a player isn't very good, no one has to keep saying the player is very good. Like, no one's ever saying, like, Marcus Mariota reached the ceiling because we all kind of know that, right? No one's saying Jimmy Garoppolo has hit a ceiling because, again, we kind of already know that. Um, I think people keep repeating it with Mac because the concern is that he hasn't, right? Like, low-key, you're kind of just like, mm, you probably could get a little better. Oh, no, right? Because people are married to their takes. That's something I've been saying for the last few years where people just get married takes and they just stick with it. So the idea is Mac was supposed to be the bad quarterback, right? The bad of the big five that came out last year. He was supposed to be the bad one. He came out and he was literally the only good one. Um, and so in order for their take to work that he's the bad one, everyone else has to get better and he has to regress, right? That's how, yep. that's the only way their take of him being the bad one sticks. So if everyone's going in, like, oh, yeah, McCorkle's not going to be a player, just watch. He's going to, he's going to be exposed a lot and he goes out and plays well. The take now has to change to, well, you know, he may have been good, but, you know, that's it. That's his feeling. That's going to get, everyone else is going to get better. And it's like, I wouldn't put any money on that whatsoever, right? I wouldn't put money on that. Of the five quarterbacks who went first uh, last year, the only one who was going to regress is the one who did overwhelm. That doesn't even make any sense. I think it's a lot of people who just had the opinion on Mac since Alabama, and they want to stick with it because you know that's kind of kind of what people do. They just kind of stick with what they what they know or stick with what they originally said, and they want to be right on it. But it's it's not looking too good for those people. No, I will be honest with you. The week of the draft last year, I said that his ceiling was Kirk Cousins' prime in Washington, which mm-hmm. I think could still be a fair comparison because Kirk Cousins in Washington was fine. Kind of like I'm not like I'm not I'm not going to be crazy out here. Like what I've talked to you about, how people are out here thinking Derek Carr can win MVP this year, and how Derek Carr all of a sudden is going to turn the clock around and be great. <laughs> but Max, I think Max can very well be in that you know middle of the pack quarterback class, like that, like. You know, mid mid teens, kind of mid teens ranking, kind of area in the NFL. Like you know, like let's say fourteen to seventeenth best in the league, somewhere in there. I think he has the potential yeah. to be there. I'm not ready you to crown him top ten yet. No, but the other thing too know, is with the Patriots this year. Yeah. No Patriots fan is going to go out there with all the craziness in the AFC and saying, even though the two Super Bowls to be played at now State Farm Stadium, the Patriots are represented representatives from the AFC, including the Malcolm yeah. Butler interception. Yep. No Patriots fans out here saying this year, look, we're going to the Super Bowl. We're going to be in Phoenix, yada, yada, yada. No, we're going to be in Phoenix in December against Arizona. Sure. But that's the thing too. Patriots fans don't have those expectations. Come talk to me next year and yep. the year after. You know what? That's when I think you're expecting to see that gear. But for now, you just want to see the players succeed and you want to see the team succeed. Yeah. I think um, where you have them right now, uh, where you were like, oh, he could probably be in the 14 to 17 range. I, I would uh, kind of argue that he might already be there, right? Because I'm trying to think yeah. of like the other players, right? If we if we take out the rookies, you're looking at you know the four other guys he was drafted with. He's better than all of them. And you look yeah. at some of the the journeymen around the league, and you're like, he's like he, he's not 17. He's damn close, right? Because you're thinking of and the, you know not journeymen, even the non journeyman quarterbacks or the quarterbacks who just haven't shown enough yet, right? You're thinking of someone like. Cousins, Tannehill, I, I think Tannehill is probably a little higher. But you think of someone like, um, you know, oh, why am I blanking on his yeah, name? Yeah, Derek Carr? No, I think Derek Carr is a little higher, too. I think Derek Carr is probably in that, uh, probably in the top 12 
um, somewhere yeah. somewhere thereabout. But um, Jalen Hurts is who I was thinking of, right? You think yeah. of someone like Jalen Hurts, who I think is going to be good, but again, we haven't seen enough yet, right? I think if we're being real, Mac has shown more as a player than Jalen Hurts to this point, and that's through no fault of his own, but that's just kind of is what it is. You think about the quarterback situation down in Carolina, right? You have uh, Sam Arnold and Baker Mayfield. Both of those guys are put under Mac Jones. So, like, when you add up all of the players, right, you, all these players you're thinking of, you're like, might he already be in that that in that 17, 18 range? Like, he might, he might actually be there already. I think his ceiling, like, I think he, he can be, you know, in that in that Derek Carr range that, you know, 11, 12, some years he'll, he'll sneak into the top 10 of the years. He'll, you know, fall right off the 12. And it's just like, kind of is what it, you know, kind of is where he's at. I think though with Matt Jones, again, it's just a matter of if he wasn't, if the potential wasn't obvious, I don't think people would be talking about him as much as they are. And by people, I mean, other fan bases, um, especially the bills, the bills mafia. Uh, they spend a lot of time talking about Mac and how Mac's not good. He's definitely not good. And I'm like, you you're spending a lot of time on a player you don't think it's very good. Why? Why is that? Right? Because they're not, you know, they're not saying anything about Tua for whatever reason. And I don't think Tua uh, has shown anything. They own Tua, that's point. why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that probably is why. Zach Wilson, same kind of thing, but no one mentioned that because, again, what's known doesn't have to be said, right? Like, you kind of know Zach Wilson isn't it right now, so you don't have to talk about him. With Matt Jones, it's more just like, he makes me kind of nervous, so I'm going to say, hey, he's probably not that good. Sure, but the truth is the truth. I think this year, you know, full off season as the starter and trenches as the starter. I think he has better players around him this year. I think, you know, his numbers will look much better. I think it, I think I think he's gonna be a good player. I, I, I do too. Zach Wilson, by the way, um only good with moms. And only moms are friends <laughs> and moms. And he picks the hot one too. That, that was really interesting because you were looking at the picture and you're like, is it her? And everyone's like, Oh yeah, it's the one in the white on the end. And I'm like, She's hot. Good for him. God has taste. <laughs> Good for him. Zach Wilson, popular with MILFs. Um, but I think out of all the, the – my only take with Zach is – I just want to talk about him for a second – is yeah. I think the Jets have given him to where it's now – it's up to him. You know, yes. they, they gave yes. him Garrett Wilson, Corey Davis, um, Brees Hall. I'm very – even though he's yep. on the Jets, I'm very excited to see uh, Michael Carter, Uzama, Braxton Berrios, Patriots legend. Um and that's with Zach. So I yeah. think it's all on Zach. Zach's going to be the biggest wild card. That's the biggest what-if team in the NFL this year, where I think it's either it can either crash or it can skyrocket. Yeah. So we draft, don't know. I had Zach Wilson as the player with the most bust potential as far as the quarterbacks went. I yeah. thought he was either going to be very good or very bad, and there were going to be no middle ground. So I guess we'll see. They gave him enough weapons around, like you mentioned. They you know, patched up the offensive line a little bit. They gave him a defense. So it's like, cool, at this yeah. point, shit or get off the pot. Yep, and then with uh, that's the thing with the offensive line too. I remember still watching that week two game, and I'm like, okay, if they don't protect him, he's going to get hurt. And then what happened in the second Patriots he game? Hurt. He got hurt. Yep. He got hurt. Yeah. And the only thing I want to say about Buffalo quickly is and it's because I saw this on Twitter today. I saw fans post the the summer the draft the, not the draft the drive summaries from the wild card game and saying, oh, oh, if I can go relive this night, I literally wanted to tweet. If I want to do that, I'll do what we watch Super Bowl 51. You can have your wild card game, but you yeah. guys decided to play. We are the champions after the wild card game, which yeah. that's why I know they all like to say the flip of the coin. And believe me, I am on the boat. I don't know where you stand, but I'm on the boat in the opinion of play to win the ball back in overtime in the NFL. I think that. Uh, yeah. I, and I know it's unpopular, but that's where I'm at too. It's like, 
yeah, buddy, like, if you want to win, you got to play defense. Right? And I know some people are like, well, only one team has to get to play defense. Well, you had 60 minutes. You didn't get it done. I'm sorry. Yeah. All you had to do and was also, not give up an 80-yard touchdown drive, and then you did. I'm sorry. Yeah. I also have a hot take about the Bills this year, and I still believe this, is that if they do not win this year, I don't know when, because yes. Josh Allen's contract yeah. kicks in, yeah. and I think Jordan Poyer's gone after this season. Yeah, I love Jordan Poyer. I love both their seasons. Oh, I do too. Um, Jordan Poyer and um, Micah Hyde. I Micah think it's going to be like Mike. when, you know, where he's priced out. I think he's going to be priced out of Buffalo. Yes. Yep. Yep. I agree. I, I think um, what really irks me about Buffalo Bills fans is um, they make it so, so hard because I really do like a lot of players on their teams. They just don't shut the hell up, though. So I'm like, can y'all just shut the hell up for four minutes so I can enjoy your team? Like They're like, you're like, oh, kind of like Josh Allen. They're like, yes, Josh Allen's the greatest. I'm like, shut up. I'm appreciating him. Let me appreciate him quietly. But they're just like, oh, my God, look at that. Look how great we are. And I'm like, oh, have good players. I know. I like the team, but just shut up for a minute. Like, please. But they just are the most vocal group, especially with relation to Patriots fans. They're just so vocal, and they just want to, like, always let you know. I'm like, please, for the love of God, I don't care. Yes, you won by 30 in the playoffs. Great. I don't care. I don't, I, I, I don't care. Yeah, you have a great team and y'all lost in, you know, the final 13 seconds of a game. That sucked, but get over it. Yeah, and also, too, that's the other thing, too, because they have other players on the team. Like, I like Dawson Knox. I actually like Josh Allen as a player. Yeah. He's fun I, to oh, watch, love, but... And I actually kind of like him as a person. He seems like a cool dude, and I'm like, ah, oh, that sucks. He's, he's, it sucks that he looks like a dude, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Is it bad that I saw a TikTok today from their training camp, and it was like them walking up to all the players and stuff during the thing. And it's like, what do you do for a living? And they say something that's like completely off related to football. Like they did yeah. Josh Allen. He's just like, I'm a guitar tech for a Leonard Skinner tribute band. I'm just like, <laughs> there's just little things like, little things like that where I'm like, I want to yeah. like you guys. Yep. You guys, it's, I have the same opinion with the Yankees. I know Red Sox, Yankees is a little yep. different. Yep. Yep. Blue Jays, Yankees. Yeah. Like I like Aaron Judge. I like these players, but with Yankees fans, they make it so fucking hard to like the team. Yep. Yep, yep. Like with Bills fans, it's not only my experience at Buffalo, but it's the – you think that Josh – well, for them, Josh Allen is Jesus Christ. I was in Buffalo on Monday for Rage Against the Machine, and I saw countless jerseys. I heard a shout chant. I'm sitting there in the arena waiting for the concert to begin, and I hear the shout chant, and I'm saying to myself, please, God, kill me now. I'm (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. But I'm I'm still going to – Kind of do what I do with the Bills, and where I'm just kind of like admire their team from afar because I do think they have a lot of players that I like. Um, and as a result, I, I kind of root for the Bills, except when you know when they play the Patriots, or or like last year, there was a point where I ended up rooting for the Jaguars because they were beating the Bills, and at the time, the Patriots were in, it was, you know, they were neck and neck with the Patriots, and I was like, well, at that point, like I can't root for you, but if it's something like the playoff game, I remember for you know, the the divisional round when they played the Chiefs, I was rooting for the Bills quietly because their fans wouldn't shut the hell up about it, but I was rooting for them and I was just like, oh, y'all fell apart. That sucks. And if they weren't jackasses about it, I'd feel I thought I'd probably feel a little more bad that the game ended the way it did. Especially when you know Gabe Gabe Davis went off and then had nothing to show for it. That won me money, thank you very much. Gabe Davis anytime touchdown cashed easily. Um <laughs> I have a good would you rather sure. who would you rather see happy? Bills Mafia or Brittany Mahomes? Ooh, she's an annoying woman. Um, probably her though, Brittany Mahomes, because like she is annoying and she is obnoxious, but like at least she's just one person. When Bill's Mafia yeah. is like a million people who don't shut the hell up, so I'm like, all right, pick my poison. Honestly, I'd rather you know off myself, but not an option. So I'm gonna go with Brittany. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I, I have to. I have to say the same too. First, like, like it's a tough compact, but even even still, it's just like, oh man. Um, one thing I think about that team is, what if they had Kyle Williams, like prime Kyle Williams, on their D line? Yeah, right he he he's someone who deserved it. I, I hate that they only got him to one playoff game. That's ridiculous. He is, a, yeah, that would be uh, great. But I think Ed Oliver has low key like he's arrived. He's 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 a good player. He is a good player. After you know two three years of not being any anyone worth talking about, I think last year he had a really good year, and it kind of flies under the radar because everyone else on the team had a really good year. But he he's a good player. Yeah, but even in our game, uh, in the playoff game, I can't believe we're talking about the Bills. I just want to say this quickly though: we're having that little <laughs> love fest. Buffalo, look, we're doing it too on a Patriots-centered podcast with two You're Patriots welcome. fans. <laughs> the Micah Hyde interception. I was like. I, I can't be mad at that. I'm like, no, it was a great play. It was a great play from a great player. And just like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> like it happens. It happens. But talk like ours is what separates the fans from just the overall people who appreciate the game. Like we do. Yeah. Where we can look at a play from a rival team in a playoff game and not be like, Oh, that was lucky. That was that. You can look yeah. at that with a straight face and just be like, that was awesome. Yeah. 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 That was awesome. I kind of about the, the playoff game as a whole. It was just like, yeah, now they beat the shit out of us, and it happened. So you just kind of sit back and drink a little and appreciate. You're like, all right, yeah, yeah, they, yep, y'all won my thirty. You sure did. Oh, y'all were the better team. Yeah, beat the shit out of us. Yeah, I, I saw, I saw. Like, you have oh, expectations that were higher that had a disappointing season. Patriots had a disappointing end, but last season was not a disappointing season. Correct. Correct. Good point. Good Correct. point. Um, before I get into our last segment, I want to ask you something right now. This year, I know it's July. What is a successful season for the Patriots, in your opinion? Where you can look back on, so say for like six months from now, we're looking back at this and like, yeah, you know what? That season, it was a good season. Interesting. Um, Double-digit wins is obviously going to be it because they, you know, they already cleared 10 last year. I think, looking at the schedule, I think they have the potential to win 12. I want double-digit wins, but I'll take it a step further than a basic answer like that. I think more wins where it doesn't feel so close, right? Because last year they won 10 games, but in some of those games, you you were kind of clenching there at the end, right? They played, um, when they beat the Texans, you were kind of like, mm, oh. didn't feel great for a lot of it. Yeah, you know, you're like, didn't feel great for a lot of it. Um, same kind of thing when they when they, when they they beat, uh, not when they beat Cleveland, but for most of the Tennessee game, it was kind of like that, where you're like, oh, I don't know, man, it doesn't feel great. And I know that's a weird way to put it, because like, how do you measure how something feels? But that's the best way I can put it, where it was like, there were games Even parts watching. of the first Jets game was like that. Yeah, and you're like, this doesn't feel great, right? Like, this doesn't feel like an ass-whooping that it should be. Even if the score ends up being an ass-whooping, like with the Titans game, where it ended up being a really blowout. I was like, yeah, but, like, it didn't feel that way. I want more wins that feel like that and more losses that feel like they felt last year because a lot of the losses the Patriots lost. Um, I know everyone hates moral victories, but there were a lot of, a lot of, a lot of games where you Tampa and Dallas. Like, Tampa and Dallas in particular, where you're just like – one other thing, or even Indianapolis, I think if they didn't start so slow, it's like, ah, we were right, right. It just, just one, one little thing you would, you would have had to change oh, up. So we won against Miami. We won to Miami with a fumble. Right. So it's like, cool. This year is a, a successful year if we had double hit wins and it doesn't feel like the Patriots were just kind of hanging on to some of their wins. But can I give you one hang on win that I wouldn't mind seeing what I, what, what I'm not totally hmm. mad about? The Chargers game. Oh, was that a, that was not a hang on win though. I, I, I felt like 
they beat well, the three point game, but there was the Phillips. The basically the Adrian the, Phillips pick six was the was the, the sure the, the deal breaker. The 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 game only felt as close as it did because they you know the Chargers scored on the last drive against Jalen Mills at the very end there. Other if, yeah. outside of that, I believe it was a ten point win or something to that effect, and it was just like it, at no point did I was I worried about that game. Well, I, I, the, the entire game, I'm like, yeah, now the Patriots are the better team here, so like they're going to win because they're the better team. Also, I just for whatever reason don't trust the Chargers. I don't trust yeah, them to finish. I, so I, I like them this year. I want to believe in them. I like Herbert. But I, I still think there's a chance of Kansas City still that team in the beat. Yep, I, I I would I would agree wholeheartedly. I also think with them too, with less weapons, I think this is a chance for Mahomes to really prove himself. Yeah, and I, I think they'll be fine. He is the weapon. So like, yeah, everyone's like, well, who is he throwing to? Uh, it doesn't matter. He's gonna find someone. So you know, everyone right now is like, oh, LA did all these upgrades. Russ in Denver. Derek Carr with Devontae Adams and all these other weapons in Vegas. And then Patrick Mahomes just comes in and it's just like, oh, yeah, that's right. 15 still plays in Kansas City. Yep, yep. He's still in, so. Yep. Before we go, are you ready? Um, and I know it's July, but are you ready to think for a second? Sure. Always ready to think. I'm going to think wrong, but I, I'm ready to think. Hot take you for 2022. That? I do. I see it. Patriots hot take yeah. for 2022. Um, I What's think... What's brewing? Hot take. I think they have a top 10 offense. And not just in scoring. I think it feels like, oh, shit, this is a top 10 offense. Um, I think with the running game tab, with the receiving upgrades they've they've gotten, and really it's Devontae Parker and Tyquan Thornton, but I think that's that's enough. Um, and I think with the emergence of Kendrick Bourne, I think they have the opportunity to put up some more points. I think Mac is, um, Mac is in for a good year. I think they have I, – I, I can see a top 10 offense. And you said a hot take, so I needed to give a hot one. I think, and I think the offense is going to be significantly better than defense. There was one I was going to have, but it didn't make a lot of sense. Well, not make a lot of sense. It was just one of those ones where it's kind of like outlandish, and I feel like a lot of people have already done it, which is Dark Horse MVP candidate Mac Jones. Okay, I I I, I consider that as well because I I can see that as well. I can see that. As well. My one, Damian Harris is a thousand yard rusher. Is that a hot take? I don't know. Feel like a hot take. That feels like. Ooh, I feel like that should already happen. I feel like that should have already happened. It should have happened um, last year, but he got hurt. Um, oh, there's a bet. That, or, or Kendrick Bourne's a thousand yard receiver. Oh, I like that one. I, I like that. I do like that one. I do like that one. I think um, another one, another one I kind of have, I think Tyquan Thornton's going to play a lot more than we all expect. I think they're going to manufacture some touches. He's going to have like 600 all purpose yards. Yeah. Like I'm not saying offensive rookie of the year or anything like that. I no, still think no. I will say this though. I think there's a chance both of those come out of the Jets, though. I still think there's a chance both of those guys come from New York. Brees Hall and really? Sauce. Brees Hall and Sauce Gardner. Okay. That's fair. I still think there's I, a chance. Because um, the only other guy I can see is Hutch, really, for offensive rookie of the year, unless Kayvon Thibodeau has as much energy as that Giants fan kid. I think his name is Sam, had on stage during the draft. <laughs> he comes out and plays with like that. I, I like Kayvon, uh, so, um for offensive defensive rookie of the year. I like uh, for defense. I think Derek Stingley is going to be it because I think Houston is a bad a bad team. Um, I think they're going to get thrown out a lot, and he's going to be the one who's going to lock down whoever. Yeah, I think he's going to have the stats for defensive rookie of the year because the team is going to be down a lot. They're going to get thrown down a lot. It's going to be like, all right, cool. 
he's going to have the opportunities to pick up a lot of play. Um, I think for offensive rookie of the year, I like Jamison Williams. Um, as weird as that, as that, as weird that, as that is, I, I know it's Detroit. I know it's Jared Goff. I know, I, I know, I know, I know all that. I know all that. I think though, when you have a special player, and I think Jamison Williams is a special player. When you have a special player, he over, he overdoes the circumstances. And I think when you have a special player on a bad team, they get extra love for these awards because they get the the caveat of yeah but he did it with jared goff so that gives him three points versus someone who didn't you know what i mean so like that, that's how i'm leaning there the other one i have to say as well potentially is as well as chris olave for the North. i like I know her, it's yes. michael yeah michael thomas yeah. Is comeback player of the year but see but that would require Jameis. that would that require Jameis having a having a big year and i just don't see that happening um just because, like his his knee, yeah, his knee doesn't seem all the way back. Like just reports that are coming out, everyone's kind of like, "Oh, he looks good for someone who was just injured." I'm like, mm, I don't like that. Usually, you get the, "Oh, he's way ahead of his timetable. He's you know, he's crushing his rehab." And with him, it's kind of been like he's rehabbing, and I'm like, "Oh, mm, don't oh, like other that. offensive weapon." There's also two other offensive rookies I'm looking out for, and that is. Both are receivers. One is uh, Christian Watson in Green Bay, and then Sky Moore in Kansas City. Ooh, that's I like that. You know who else I like? I like um, Khalil Shakir um, yep. from from in Buffalo, I believe. Uh, played at Boise. I'm like, cool. I I like him. I, I think he has an uh, opportunity. I also think George Pickens. If we're just talking receivers, I think George Pickens is going to have a good year um, in Pittsburgh. So. And then on the defensive side, I like George Karloftis to have a good year with Kansas City on there. Oh, you know, with, uh, here's the, here's here's Jones. the thing. Here's the thing. Here's here's my hot take. There, um, I think Kansas City is incapable of playing good defense with the offense that they have for whatever reason. Like, they just can't put it together where they have two good units. And I think the offense is going to be pretty good. So I'm like, well, by my own logic, that means the defense is not. So I just don't, I just don't see it. Even though they have some players, I like Nick Bolton. I don't like any of their secondary. Um, Justin Reed's a cool player, but I don't like that. And then Chris Jones, he needs a running mate. So yeah, you have Carl Loftus, but like, I just don't see, I just don't see them having the number. I don't see him having the numbers. I don't see the defense having the numbers as a whole. And I don't see him individually having the numbers to, you know, get defensive rookie of the year. But if you're also a betting man, like I am, bet a lot of Kansas City overs because I think this year they're going to be in a lot of shootout Big 12 style. Oh, yeah. Games. Oh, yeah. Because that defense, I'm. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah, I agree. Remember the Patriots Chiefs first Sunday nighter, Brady Mahomes, 43. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That was, a, that was a hell of a game. That game shouldn't have been close either. That was, that was the worst part. It was just like losing 29 twice. Yep. And then it was just like, cool. I love this. I love this for us. When I remember the Jason McCourty, where he came off came off of Kareem Hunt, kind of had to because Mahomes was scrambling and you know Patrick hits him and he just takes the field and I'm like this is great. Or where they had um they had Tyree Kill in the double and it was Deron Harmon who was supposed to be playing over him and it just took a bad angle and he just cut it up the sideline. I was just like cool, 75 yard touchdown for us. So we're having a great time here. <laughs> the same thing happened too in the, in the AFC Championship game, 36-31. Yeah. We're 14. Yep. People forget 14 nothing Patriots at the half. Yeah, and then it ends up going overtime like it did, and it's just like, ah, oh, man, he's gonna. But hey, you can't you can't keep a great offense down for a whole uh, you know whole game. So if you can get the you know get out, and I think that's part of what you know what what makes Buffalo so good, right? It's like they 
capitalize on opponent slow starts, right? It's just like, all right, cool. You know, opponent's down, they'll start cool, put up a huge lead and then trying to make it happen. Didn't happen with Kansas City, but that's, you know, what happened in their first Kansas City game, I think it was like week three or week four, it was just like, yeah, y'all started slow. We did not. We took a huge advantage of it. You can't get a great team down all the time, but if you're if you're going to play like that, you have to put up a ton of points. Patriots didn't do that in the AFC Championship game, but did enough to win the game. So it was like, all right, cool. It kind of balanced out. But, you know, you, you really want to see if you have Mahomes up, up against the rope like that, you got to score more points because you know he's going to. You know that team is going to. You know how they get down. Yeah, and also 2018 would have been cool because I still say this, even though what happened in New Orleans happened in New Orleans, but it would have been cool to see a Brady Breeze Super Bowl. Yeah, that would have – oh, my goodness. That would, would that have been a better game. That should happen. Uh, oh, 100%. 100%. The Rams had uh, nobody there, and it showed. <laughs> yeah. Congrats to new good morning football host Jason McCourty for making the one of the best plays in that game. Yeah, I don't know how we how – we, just every time that play comes out, especially when he retired um, – Happy to Jason McCourty. He retired recently. Um, and so that play was all over the timeline. And you're just looking. He ran from the the far hash to the middle of the field. And you were just like – and he got the record time. And it was just like knocked the ball out and went about his day. And I'm like, wow, what a play. Not, you just got to be impressed. Because, look, we, we I think we've talked about this before, and I talk about this so much, but the three Patriots Super Bowls, for as much as offensive did – Besides the Malcolm Butler interception in 49, you also have the Dante Hightower tackling Lynch on the one-yard line. Yep. yep. And Jamie Collins. Super Bowl 50, 51, which I still say this, Hightower strip sack, I don't know if the Patriots win if that play doesn't happen. I don't and think the they Jason do. Jason McCourty play of Super Bowl 53. Yep. Defense defense still plays. <laughs> defense travels. So. Defense wins championships. We saw it in the uh, last – we've seen it in the last two Super Bowls with the box defense shutting down, which I still believe is – was Todd Bowles just a masterpiece? And then last year, Aaron Donald had a great game against the Bengals. Which we all kind of saw coming because that line had no yeah. good. That that was an O-line that shouldn't have been in the Super Bowl. But the rest of the team you know, obviously deserved it. But that O-line had no business. That's my other hot take with this season. I still think that team isn't as good. At, uh, not, not, not as good, but I still think that Cincinnati, if they get out to a slow start, they're going to be that team that, you know, everyone panics about and kind of freaks out. It's like, oh, what happened to the Burrow? What happened to this? It's just like – I think with Baltimore being good again, it may be a tougher hill to climb for that. I, I think you're absolutely right. I can see them winning eight, nine games, you know, as, as weird as that is, just because I think their division is tough. And a lot of the wins they had last year, they kind of scraped by. So it's like, kind of like what I talked with the Patriots, where like the wins didn't feel great, like at, at the time, like as you're watching, like, this doesn't be awesome. Um, it was the kind of same thing with Bengals, even straight through the playoffs, it was like, we won, but like, well, it did not feel great. And then they lost Super Bowl, and you're like, yeah, because you probably shouldn't have been there in the first place. Yeah, and then that's the other thing. The other take I have with the AFC North is, I know they don't have exactly a good quarterback right now. Don't count yep. on the Pittsburgh Steelers from being a competitive team. Mike Tomlin football teams I, don't back down. I was just going to say, I think Mike Tomlin's too good coach to have a bad team. So, you It'll know, be an 8-9 win football team. That's, I was going to say, Pennsylvania for nine wins. That's that's kind of where we're at. They're, they're going to be that team where, you know, their defense gets them out of a couple of games. Yep. That's the reason, too, why I think Jordan Poyer's gone, especially after what Micah Fitzpatrick just signed for, yep. which – Caused the, the tragedy of the century where we don't even get to play at Heinz Field anymore. Oh, my we have goodness. To play. I, don't I, even, I don't even want to I, say the name. I don't even remember it, but it's like the ketchup bottles went down. down. Yeah, I'm calling it Heinz Field. We're playing at Heinz Field week two. Yeah. <laughs> Trubisky versus Jones. It's going to be great, everyone. Oh, barn burner. Just watch. It's going to be like, bet the under, bet the under. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, folks, that's going to wrap it up here. If you want to know more about McGarvin, follow him on Twitter at Patriots POV. If you want to check out his other endeavors, twitter.com slash nice ENT group. Oh, appreciate McGarvin, the plug. I'm Griff. Anytime. I, can, I can always got to make my guests happy. But anyway, guys, see you next time. Well, yeah. It feels it feels good to be back podcasting. That's all I got to say. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.